It's early July 2019. Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell is sitting in front of Congress testifying as he's obligated to twice every year because of Humphrey Hawkins. And he's telling Congress he's getting cold feet on the economy. The numbers are coming in and they don't look all that good. More importantly, the U.S. economy is appearing weaker because the rest of the global economy looks really, really shaky. And so he tells Congress what they already knew, which was the Fed is going to start cutting, cutting interest rates after having raised them only a few months before, back in December of 2018. And he laid out his reason, reasoning to Congress, and I'll read it for you here. In our June meeting statement, we indicated that in light of increased uncertainties about the economic outlook and muted inflation pressures, we would closely monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook and would act as appropriate to sustain the expansion. Many FOMC participants saw that the case for a somewhat more accommodative monetary policy had strengthened. That's the rate cuts. Since then, based on incoming data and other developments, it appears that uncertainties around yeah, trade tensions, the trade wars, and concerns about the strength of the global economy continue to weigh on the U.S. economic outlook. So within a matter of weeks from that testimony, Jay Powell and the FOMC began cutting interest rates. And if you also remember, a couple months after that, they got into the QE business again, although they didn't call it QE. We had that repo problems and it was not QE. But either way, the Fed was in the stimulus business because the economy was so weak. So, Mr. Stephen Van Meter, we're going to play a little bit of a game here to start out. 2019, Jay Powell, the FOMC, they say the economy sucks and it's likely to get worse. We need to do something about it. Contrast that with today where Jay Powell and the FOMC says the economy is really good. It's hanging in there despite all these headwinds. So I'm going to read to you a list of statistics and I'm going to ask you whether this 2019 or today. And because 2019 was awful economy, today's good economy, you should be able to tell the answer immediately. So let's start, Steve, with nominal GDP. We just got the GDP numbers uh, this week for the uh, second quarter of 2023. So obviously they must have been much better than those in 2019. So which one was it? 4.7% nominal GDP. Ooh, um, I'm going to go with uh, 2019. No, in 2019, nominal GDP was 5.0%. It was better than the second quarter of 2023 real GDP. This has got to be easy, right? Okay. Real GDP of 2.4 percent. Was that 2023 or 2019? Uh, that that's 2023. I know that because I just saw the data, <laughs> so that's not fair. Uh, but I know, yeah, I know you that. cheated. Well, that's okay. But whether you know it or not, in 2019, real GDP was 2.7 percent. So it was actually faster in the second quarter of 2019. Here's another one. Wait, wait, inflation. wait. Inflation. We talk about inflation wait, wait. all the yeah. time. You're telling me the data was better in 2019 so far. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to start betting against this trend now because I know you're going to show me some stuff that tells us it's worse now going forward. So let's let's go. Give me the next one. I got GDP this. deflator. Consumer prices, 2.5%. Ooh, um, I'm going to go with uh, 2019. That's correct. And in uh, 2023, the GDP, GDP deflator was 2.6%, almost exactly the same. The goods deflator part of GDP, 0.4%. Now, remember, Jay Powell said inflation pressures were muted. 
Ooh, that's a, that's a that's a tough one. I'm going uh, 2019 on that one. I, no. I'm gonna, I, no, no, Steve. I, no, that I is 2023. Goods deflator was 0.4 percent in the second quarter of 2023. In the second quarter of 2019, it was 1.8 percent. This doesn't make any sense, Jeff. Come on. All right, let's let's keep let's going. Keep going. We got more. Let's let's yeah, go we- out of GDP. Now let's talk about June 2023 versus June 2019. The ISM manufacturing 51.6. Ooh, uh, I, boy, that's going to have to be 2019. That's right. In 2019, it was 51.6, which was an alarmingly low number. In June of 2023, it was 46. So seems a little bit worse there. The ISM non-manufacturing, 50.3. Ooh, nah, that's got to be 2019 as well. No, in 2019, the ISM non-manufacturing was 55.1. In June of 2023, it was an alarming low of 50.3. How about the unemployment rate? Because we we hear about that all the time. In Jay Powell in 2019, he said the economy's booming, or the economy's really weak. In 2023, he said it's booming. So which one was the the 3.6% unemployment rate? Oh, I think that's uh, right around now. Or, I mean, gosh, if and if it's not now, it's so close to 2019. You're talking in terms of, uh, you know, like 3.5 versus 3.6. I'll go, I'll go now. It's both. That was a trick question. It's ah. 3.6% in June 2023 as well as June 20. No difference whatsoever. But isn't it interesting, Steve, the point we're making here, that Jay Powell in 2019 said, ooh, I'm worried about this economy. And in 2023, he says, ooh, I'm not worried about this economy now. There's no recession. There's nothing there. I'm not going to even think about cutting rates. When we look around the economic statistics, and in many ways, in a lot of ways, especially outside the United States, it looks a lot worse than 2019. What gives here? Well, I guess the good thing is raising or lowering the federal funds rate doesn't actually make a difference. So, I mean, does it does it really matter here? Um, no, I think what matters is more a perception from the the Fed's eyes here that hey, the economy is strong and rebounding. So, like, like I almost suggest Jeff that there is there something that they know in their private conversations with different businesses and CEOs that says hey, you know, we know our data right now isn't that good, but that there's some things we see coming that you need to be optimistic about. And and maybe that's what it is. I doubt it. Uh, Of course, it's all about inflation has to come down. Of course, we know that inflation is going to come down anyways, but central bankers really desperately need a win in their column because, well, they got a lot of losses. So in this case, they've got to bring inflation down or at least suggest that they're the ones who bring inflation down. And I think that's what it is. Problem is, they are making policy restrictive to some level, whether we want to agree with that or not, doesn't matter. What matters is that they're doing the wrong thing at the wrong time, but they always do that. Yeah, I think you you said it right from the start there, that the issue is perception. Because in, in 2020 or 2018 into 2019, the perception was an economy that was lethargic and stuttering and it wasn't really getting going. They had promised it was going to get going, but it never really had. And then before it really did get into a recovery, it started to roll over. Then we started talking about China and trade wars and what's going on in Asia and all of this overseas turmoil that was apparently spilling over to the U.S., which is something we need to talk about today. But back then they were they were afraid of the global economy rolling over and said, you know, the economy wasn't all that good to begin with, so maybe we should be careful there. Today, 
they're the, the thinking, the bias is the perception that they want to they want people to have is that the economy was red hot, blistering hot in 2021 and 2022, and it's just cooling down a little bit. So in 2020 or 2019, it was a lethargic economy slowing down to recession. In 2023, they're trying to tell us it's a red hot economy just cooling off to a soft landing. When you look at the numbers, you've got those backwards at the very least. Yeah, and it's not really a red hot economy slowing down. It's a red hot economy rapidly slowing down. And, and but yet the perception is great because the more you tell people, oh no, the second half is going to be better. Look at the stock market, right, Jeff? It's up. I mean, gosh, everybody knows the stock market must be the best predictor of future economic growth beyond any other metric. So you start doing all these things. And yes, I was joking by making that statement about the market is that this perception that the economy is going to boom, if you can get people convinced that that's true, they'll go out and spend money because they'll buy into it. The problem is we see more anecdotal data that says consumers are cutting back here, they're cutting back there. And I think it was a Fed survey, and you can correct me on this, Jeff, uh, back in June said uh, there was the first time that households struggled to pay bills. Well, that's not something, at least in my book, that sounds like a booming economy. That sounds more like 2019. We've got major problems here. We just can't see it. Yeah, and I think, you know, go back to the GDP numbers for a second. Uh, the big numbers to me wasn't the 2.4% real rate. It was actually the nominal numbers, both headline nominal as well as PCE or personal consumption expenditures. Nominal spending and nominal activity in the economy has fallen off rather rapidly. It hasn't fallen off. The, it has slowed down rapidly, which, which is the point that you just made. And we're seeing that in the statistics. So what are we to believe that is going to stop the slowdown and, and turn it around and, and produce this stable, soft landing scenario? That's where we get into the comparisons, because we have a much worse forward-looking indicator, you know, things like the ISM and those those sentiment surveys that are looking out for outlooks. And they're telling us the economy is really, really struggling here and the outlook isn't going to change anytime soon. So is it more likely that consumers are going to start spending all of a sudden and bring the outlook back up? Or is it more likely that the outlook is looking at consumer spending today and thinking, Consumers are going to continue to retrench because for a lot of reasons, but including uh, the income and the labor market. And uh, despite the fact that consumer price pressures are coming down, the outlook is, is, is far more is, it's being driven by by more fundamentals than actual than uh, perceptions. Yeah, I, and I agree with that, Jeff, because just here this last week, I'm kind of out and about uh, boots on the ground. I know right now I'm at the Senate Banking Committee uh, meeting. So, you know, uh, correspondent work is very difficult, as we know. Um, but just talking to people locally, um, what I've noticed is hours for a lot of the hourly wage people, the, the amount of hours they're getting are, are not sufficient. So some of them are starting to go look for other work. And they're telling me, I'm not really finding anything. Now, that around here, there should be so many hourly jobs available. It's not an issue. Talk to a lady well, just because you're other... in Washington. Washington is recession proof. You know, the government well, always spends. Well, that's true. Um, I was talking to a lady the other day. She said her friend just lost her job. She's been going and putting out applications like crazy. Can't get one call back. And I thought, well, that's really interesting that, you know, all of a sudden it went from 
plethora of jobs to all of a sudden it seems to be drying up. And that to me tells me that the survey data is spot on. I think in terms of the future projections, and I see some of the survey data saying the future is looking good. It's kind of kind of like being in the hospital and almost dying and be like, well, it can't get worse than this. And I think we're seeing some of the sentiment saying, look, it's really bad, but gosh, it just can't get worse. The problem is it appears to be that it is actually getting worse. We also have to consider, like Jay Powell was doing in 2019 for once, the global economy. Let's look around at what everybody else is doing, what they're all experiencing, which the rest of the world is in much, much worse shape than the U.S. is today and in much, much worse shape than everybody else was in 2019. The Chinese, uh, we've talked about them a number of times, the statistics in China are pretty ugly and awful to the point that the government there is actually reshuffling top positions. Yi Gang, the head of the PPOC, was just oh, he was just let go unceremoniously and replaced with Pang Gong Sheng for reasons that we could talk about it for a, a long time. The Chinese foreign minister suddenly disappeared, and it turns out he was replaced. Um, so it's not really going well in China. Europe. Europe was in recession to start the year. There was some hope that maybe Europe would get out. We just got German GDP statistics, which showed that, no, Germany didn't really get out of the recession. We had really slightly negative quarter, fourth quarter, first quarter, and then the second quarter of 2023 was basically zero. So Germany's not looking good. And as you know, Steve, China, Germany, Japan, South Korea, that's one that you follow very closely, those are all bellwether indications about the global economy. And as, again, as Jay Powell noticed and was factoring in 2019, this is globally synchronized. So if there's trouble around the world, it's going to be trouble for the U.S. Yeah, and I think part of the problem for the Fed this time was they were talking up rates after the last meeting so much. They're almost, you know, well, we paused, but we really wanted to hike. And yeah, we're going to hike. We're going to hike that they box themselves into it. At this meeting to the point where if they didn't hike, they had to come up with a laundry list of excuses and saying, hey, you know what? Uh, China's slowing down, so we're going to pause rates. Yeah, Americans aren't going to buy that story at all for a second. It would actually set off some alarm bells saying, hey, wait a minute. The Fed knows something's wrong here. So they were forced to hike. Whether or not any, you know, there's the right move or not, I don't think it was. But nevertheless, it's all about perception. The challenges, and, and you know this, Jeff, and I know our audience it really understands this, is that inflation doesn't just go straight down unless things really are broken. So it, they could have just come out and said, hey, you know what? Inflation is going on the right trend. We can always hike at some future means. We're going to give this a little more time. And if it's wrong, we can always do a 50 basis point hike if we really feel that that's going to solve the inflation problem. Not that it will, but the Fed could have done a lot of different things here to kind of mask this. But the problem is they come out after these meetings and they run their mouths to the point where they have no choice. I think the best move would be back in the bygone era where you had a meeting, they said what they were going to do, and then you didn't hear from them <laughs> really hardly at all between the next meeting. That's the problem. I know they're going to be out probably tomorrow talking about how they want to raise rates more, but uh, we'll be interested to see what they do. But uh, I think there's a pause coming up pretty quick. Well, you know, I think you're giving them way too much credit here because as we've talked about before, they should have sat in March of 2022 and said, we're going to hike rates X number of basis points or X percentage points. And that's it. That's all it needs. We need, you know, four or 5% in, in federal funds targets, and that will do it. Everything will be just fine. But that's not what happens. 
These people are responding to incoming data, incoming economic data, not monetary data, but incoming economic data, and then trying to assess the situation. As you always say, they're trying to drive a car with the windshield completely blocked out and looking in the rear view, in the side mirrors, which is exactly what it sounds like because every time you hear a Fed politician, or yeah, Fed, they are politicians. Every time you hear one of them talk, it sounds like they're just making it up as they go because they are. One final comparison, Steve, to 2019 today, which I think we need to highlight, and that's the yield curve, money curves, futures curve. So Jay Powell was negative on the economy. So the market must have been deeply pessimistic in 2019. Jay Powell is very constructive on the economy today, tight labor market, inflationary pressure. So I'm thinking the yield curve today must be pretty steep and positive, whereas in in 2019, it was probably really negative. You would absolutely think that would be 100% true, Jeff. But of course, actually, the opposite we know going back in 2019, uh, Fed Chair Powell was worried about the yield curve and kind of suggested that he was worried about it. Today, he could care less. It might as well keep going negative because he doesn't think it makes a difference. Of course, we know that money curves are always right, maybe not tomorrow or maybe not yesterday because they're not a timing mechanism. They just tell you what to see the futures coming. And well, if they're right, well, it tells us the future does not have inflation or the growth the Fed is expecting. Well, you know, Steve, that the, the Fed loves the yield curve when it tells it what it wants to hear. The near term forward spread is great until it inverts and then we never hear from it again. Yeah, I think, you know, let's just leave it there. The economy in 2019 was, was, yes, it was weak and going in the wrong direction, but we are in a much worse situation today. And I think that's what we want people to realize, despite the fact that everybody's going to be talking about the soft landing. Even the Fed was afraid back in 2019. If you want more discussion between me and Steve about the yield curve, check out the video at the link below. And as always, thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers. And of course our Eurodollar University members. Until next time, take care.